0: listening to The Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix.
1: John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit like I've been through the kicking machine a couple of times at the state fair. Yeah. When was the last time you went to the state fair?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. State fair? Uh, man, I'd have been a kid, so. County fair. Yeah, I've done the county fair, but I will say this, not the fair, but did go to an amusement park this past weekend for the first time in forever. And so it is incredible to feel like we're headed back towards, I don't know that there is a normal. So what I'm going to say is back towards what normal used
1: to be. What specific amusements did you treat yourself to while you were at this park?
0: So we did Universal Studios. That's kind of our place because my boys are a little older. So Mickey doesn't have the appeal that he once did. And so Trish and I and the boys went down to Orlando, did Universal Studios. They have a lot of, whether it is, Bart Simpson or Harry Potter, things that, again, older boys in particular seem to be, they could find some stuff that they could do. And then we also went to the Kennedy Space Center, uh, which I was surprised at how much my kids, again, 14 to now today, 22, how much they liked it and how much they got from it. I expected a lot more pushback, but it was Trish's birthday, and so she was queen queen every day. But in particular, she also that day got to pick where we went while we were in Orlando and pleasantly surprised.
1: It's always good to pleasantly surprise your family.
0: And to be pleasantly surprised by them. And I can (laughs) tell you, as a father of four now teenage boys, most of the surprises are to the downside. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things. But it was neat. And yet one of the things, John, that I found cool is just incredibly inspired By President Kennedy's speech, we choose to go to the moon not because it is easy, but because it is hard. You know, my hair stands up on my arms every time. And I think that really we talk about things that can be kind of unpleasant and we talk about them because they are hard and because they are necessary. Thankfully, today we're talking about something that I think most people. Like, so that's a little easier, but president Kennedy had a way of, I'm going to make a mental note for those conversations, man, what an inspiring speech that was towards looking at bigger and better things.
1: I have not been to the Kennedy space center. So that is now on my list of things to do. So I now have a goal that I can plan for.
0: So as a planner for a living, this is my little bit of travel advice. So lean in, this is important, put Kennedy space center in between days at a park. So what we found was we went really hard one day and crashed out at say seven o'clock. And the next day we went really hard at the parks. So we went three days at the parks like that and then did Kennedy Space Center. Even my kids agreed that spacing the days out in the parks with something like literally the Space Center would make for a good break in terms of just overall pleasantness of the trip. So that's my little bit of travel advice for today.
1: Well, that's good. Thank you. We can do a travel episode at one point on the show as well and dive deeper into that.
0: Oh, that would be fun. But today we're going to dive deep into a subject you and I actually recently wrote a book on, which is, can I retire yet? Kind of the question that we get all the time and we broke it into seven things that you need to know to be able to retire confidently and we broke those john into two main sections goal planning and goal achieving when you think about goal planning what goes into that
1: you have to really start out with the question anytime you make a goal of any kind whether it's short intermediate or long term and regardless of how many steps it might take to get there you always ask yourself, you start with the why question. Why am I going to do this? Why is this important to me? You can add in some other types of questions in there. What will I do that leaves me fulfilled? What will I do for fun? What will I do with my family? Incorporate all of those questions into maybe the why behind doing something. Is it going to make me feel good about myself? Is it going to make the community I live in a better place? Is it going to bring happiness to other people? All these things go into that why. And that why helps you create all the goals and the different steps that you lay out for yourself as achievable goals over your lifetime. And That's extremely important when you go into a time of that we talked about last time is a time of change where you go from doing certain things in your life, having certain responsibilities to creating your responsibilities for yourself. And they might vary by day, by week, by month, but you want to create things that are important to yourself to continue that type of motivation to keep you going, to keep you feeling fulfilled and feeling happy and encouraged to continue to do things on a daily basis and get away from that sedentary lifestyle that we also talked about in the last show. But who you will spend your time with, where you're going to spend that time, those two things kind of go together to me. You can't really ask or answer one without tackling both at the same time. And I think that is what we spend a lot of time with our clients on, or at least I do. Do you do the same thing?
0: Yeah, for me, I tend to look at it a little bit like a news reporter, or really, maybe it's even back to my high school days of book reports. You want to touch on who, what, when, where, why, and how. Not necessarily in that order, but if listeners want to really begin the process of, just answer those questions for yourself, because a lot of them, you'd be surprised how interrelated they are. Because if you have a certain group of people that are your who that you want to spend time with, that may dictate your where. And you have to weigh out. That's a lot of what we do, John, is weighing out these options. Because one of the things that most of us have now when it comes to our time, when we're no longer working, is we have options. And so really sorting through those and the financial impact that one or the other have. I mean, I was watching... Uh, I probably shouldn't admit to some of the things that I watch on television, <laughs> but there's a real estate show called Million Dollar Listing. And I think it's on Bravo or Lifetime, maybe Lifetime. And they were showing the prices of homes in downtown New York City. And they're talking about 1800 to $2,000 a foot for a townhouse. And then I was down at the beach recently at Myrtle Beach or Garden City Beach near me. And an oceanfront beach house is 350 to $400 a foot. So it's easy to see how folks might migrate in a particular southern direction to a place like where you are or to the coast here in South Carolina, because the where makes a big financial difference. And so all these things, not only are they interrelated, they all have pros and cons financially that I think that as we go through and create maybe our book report or our news story of our future life in retirement, it then becomes the job of us with the financial team to put the numbers to some of the different decisions to help people make good trade-offs if they need to from one to the other.
1: And when you talk about one of the questions that would keep somebody from making a decision, because sometimes a goal is just a dream that you've chosen to write down, right? Sometimes the things that keep people from putting their goals to paper or outlining them specifically is procrastination. And it's procrastination around having a goal, costing something, and they're not sure that they're going to be able to have enough to do that thing. So they just end up not setting any goals because they're just waiting around for that. And a lot of these questions that go hand in hand like this, if we ask the questions and we work out the pros and cons like you talk about, sometimes you can find that, yes, maybe living in one area might be more expensive, but you could achieve the same type of thing in a different area where it's less expensive. And so those are the kinds of things we can help people with in answering because we've got so many different people asking us the same questions and each one of their lives have different aspects to them that shape them in a different way. And we can use that experience to help others. And I think that's what is important to our clients when they come to us and talk about these goals and try to put these goals to paper so that they can then become achievable. And so we've got seven things that we can use to retire confidently in two sections. We've got the section that's goal planning that we just went through, and then we've got goal achieving. And that usually starts with the question of how close am I to achieving my goal?
0: Well, and people want to know, right? Particularly when we're talking about something that excites us about any goal. But the question is, well, when can I start? When can I have it? And particularly when we're talking about something like retirement, there are lots of ways to have it. If I could rewind just one minute, John, to the other thing that you were talking about, what I have found is in a lot of cases, maybe if there's a big, big goal, if you write it down and it's not reasonable, like you can't get to it. One of the things we can do is figure out how you can have as much of it as possible. I, for one, have always wanted, I love the ocean, love it. Makes me feel relaxed and calm, have always wanted a place on the ocean. I mean, got two kids in college and two in high school who are headed that way, not in the cars for me right now, but I can't, Trish and I rent an oceanfront house for 12 days a year. So every 90 days, we have three nights at the same place and we call it our beach house because I know where all the stuff is. When I walk in, my phone automatically gets onto the internet. I mean, I'm home. And so that's a way of having it without having to own it. And so in a lot of cases, that's part of what we do is we've tried really hard to make it 20 years of experience, not one year of experience 20 times, taking and accumulating these things, and when we get to achievement, John, I think that the two big questions end up being, or or there are several, I guess, but a part of that, how close am I? Also, another part of that is, how long will it last? And so, I see a big issue with people having a hard time with the idea of spending money they've saved it all this time and it's really hard to flip that switch and i think that part of it has to do with wanting to make sure it's going to last long enough
1: right and it's different and some people flip that switch and they just think they can spend whatever they want because they've spent their entire life up to this point saving for the spending part and so Some people end up starting off spending too much and we try to pull in the reins a little bit. And then others don't want to spend anything because they're, like you said, afraid that it might not last as long as they want it to. And some of the items that always are topical in our meetings have to do with things that everybody spends money on in retirement, and that is healthcare. Medicare costs are part of that once you turn 65. But If you're retiring early and you have to bridge that gap by going on to the public system and getting health care for a few years, that can be something that is daunting to some folks and expensive. So that can be something that causes a question to form around, well, do I have enough to do what I want to do? Taxes are always something that are topical because not only are they always changing, but they are different for everybody because everybody has saved their money in a different way. Some paid taxes early on and put money into something like a Roth and some deferred taxes because that was better for them. And so now when they take the money out, they're faced with a tax bill of some kind. And so that is, nobody likes to pay taxes, but that's one of the certainties, I guess, that we know. And then cost of care, if you become sick, that is something in the long-term care arena that can be expensive, that has kept people from doing the things that they wanted to do or what they plan to do or It has kept them from achieving some of the goals that they outlined earlier on. And so those are things that we always tackle as well and questions around that. So over time, things become more expensive. And so it's our job to figure out ways to help people take the money that they've saved, that they've grown, that they've added to for decades and stretch that as far as we possibly can with the idea that we're going to have to spend more over time as people get older. So, you know, that's about the spending part. But the other side of it is, where does the money come from, Chip?
0: Well, it's important to understand, too, for folks how interrelated those things are that you were just talking about. How, depending on how you structure things from a distribution standpoint, can actually affect your Medicare premiums, can change. And so all of those things are interrelated. And the other thing that I'd mentioned about long-term care is one of the things that we often do, John, is we actually run two different scenarios for clients where we look at what their plan would be with no long-term care issue. Then we run it as if one or both of the folks that we're planning for have a long-term care issue. And then sometimes a third of what if we had a long term care issue, but part of the expense that we incurred for a period of time now was for, in one way, shape, or form, long term care insurance? So, what if we added an expense? So, we're spending more along and along, but that was for covering. And so, we can look at that confidence number we've talked about before and see how the different scenarios change. And that makes it easier to understand. But the other part, as you mentioned, is getting into where will the money come from. And so we touched on this some last time, I think. Most people have at least one stable source of income, and that's Social Security. That's kind of the foundational piece for most people. And we talked a lot about Social Security and kind of how it worked in, in the last couple of episodes, but it's usually the first piece. Then if we have a separate stable whether it's a pension or some sort of defined benefit from a company that folks have worked for, then that becomes part of the income. And then after that, it becomes supplemental to those things. So let's say that you need $5,000 a month in income, and you're going to get $2,000 from Social Security, $1,000 from a pension, then that last $2,000 has to come from other places. And that can be retirement plans, it can be after tax accumulated, it can be from an inheritance, a sale of a business, all kinds of things. But where the money comes from is important, particularly in how it's taxed from a distribution standpoint. Most people want to get as much spendable income as possible while paying as little taxes as possible. And that's one of those things that requires a lot of planning and making sure that you're matching up One, the goal with how it is that you're actually trying to achieve them. So, John, when we look at all these things, from your standpoint, why does it even matter? Why is this important?
1: It's important because a lot of the people that come into our office, they want to use the period of their life, if we're not going to call it retirement, but the period of living in a different way than the previous several decades. They want to have a separate identity, if you will, in their working life and their life after work. And that takes a plan and it takes money to do the things you want to do. And it takes someone and a team built around you, a support group, if you will, to help you look at all the different angles and answer all the different questions. But really what you want to do is arrange your life and your finances in a way that makes the transition possible from one to the other you want to do what makes you happy ideally we'd all like to do what makes us happy every step of the way throughout our entire lives for some people that is an actuality for others not so much and who am i to say that i don't have a little bit of discomfort you know on a daily or a weekly basis i mean not when we're doing the podcast obviously but i mean we all have a little pain that makes the pleasure better but ultimately we want to do what makes us happy and in some cases in order to make those decisions, we have to figure out what do we want to keep and what we're willing to give up in order to live a different life in retirement. And we can generate some income with enjoyable work. We can keep working. We can maintain close friendships, or we can decide to keep some educational aspect of our life. We can learn things either by taking classes or by doing things with groups that allow us to learn things that we wouldn't have learned otherwise while we were working and figure out what we want to keep, what we hold dear, and then we decide what we might need to give up in order to make some of these other things possible. Do we give up the big house? Do we downsize into something smaller? Do we get rid of some of the furniture, some of the other things that we've accumulated so far in our lives, because at this point, they made sense before, but maybe they don't make all that much sense now. But going from a big house to a smaller house, there's less responsibility there. You can spend time doing other things rather than taking care of the property or the home that you used to have when you were working. You might give up a vacation home, or you might give up a bigger home and move into the home that you vacationed in for the majority of your life, because maybe now you want to live where you played earlier on in your life now that you can do whatever you want to do. And you might need to give up some things like we talked about downsizing, but maybe you give up a boat or something else that you used for fun. But now it might not make as much sense because maybe it's just you and your wife or you by yourself and you don't want to go out on the boat alone. You know, things can change in life. And so we got to decide what we want to keep, what we want to give up and potentially live our lives in a different way when we're not working than when we were working. So don't
0: boat alone. That's going to be my quote of the day from John (laughs) Tate. Don't boat alone. I will tell you this. I owned the boat one time. It was in the onboard. You live near the water. So you're probably into all these things. I was not and did not realize that the guy that I had bought the boat from had removed the plug. Mm -hmm. And so as I backed it into the water, Trish and the boys saw the boat, filling with water. So if I were to boat alone, I would probably drown. So I would definitely follow that advice. For me, John, I think a big part of it is when you look at your life, it's a little bit like going and shopping for a car. Like if you're going to shop, if you're going to plan for something, in my opinion, put it all out there first. If you think you want to have your big house here and your big house by the ocean, put it all in there and then see if the plan works. And if not, I encourage people, don't limit yourself until you've actually figured it out that that's required. Because go ahead and all those hopes and dreams and wishes, and I want to spend $40,000 a year in travel, which we have clients who do, put it all out there and see if it works. And if not, then we can work through the trade-off. But first, design that ideal signature life that we talk about. And then if you have to make concessions, then make them in an educated fashion to where you end up in a place where you're truly as satisfied as you can be because everything really is a trade-off. Everything but boating alone.
1: No, I agree with that. And when we moved to North Carolina, my dad brought along his duck boat with him, which was an aluminum boat with a small motor on the back. And he thought he could just take that out in the intercoastal like he did on the lakes in arkansas when we lived there and he did for a while he found out that it was not as much fun as he thought it was going to be but one of the things with the duck boat was that you had to put the like you said the plug in the back to keep the water out and it seemed like about six times out of ten we would get off the dock and we'd start going we look back and the back was filling up with water so the answer is once you've got people in the boat and you've already left the dock The answer is you drive around in circles, and the faster you go in circles, it drains the water out of the back, and then you put the plug in, then you can go. So I guess the moral of the story there is sometimes you have to go around in circles before you can head out on your charted course.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I don't know how you brought that home, but you did. And I think that ultimately, the way that I would look at it in terms of the boat and the hole is, depending on the size of the boat, really... Determines how big a hole you can have in terms of income, you have to be mindful. A big hole in a small boat isn't going to work. And so you want to make sure that your plugs in there adequately, whether you're in a duck boat or a ski boat. It all makes sense. Don't boat alone. So John, let's do it again next week, man. Yes, sir. Be good. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com slash scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security? It's all in there. Go to the retirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, Schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.